Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to Curious Conversations with Tully and Sarah. We sit down and chat with business owners, entrepreneurs, and some of the best conversation starters. This is a podcast about real life lessons and people doing cool shit. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. Hello. Hi, Tully. Hi, how are you? I'm good. I'm just chugging along, you know. Yeah, it's a bit of a funny day. So we're back in Melbourne. Yes. For a minute. I wish we were still in Sydney. And uh, today, which this episode will come out to next Wednesday, which we'll probably still have the restrictions, I feel like. Maybe. We just read that this... There's five new COVID cases and we're going back to mask wearing inside. I don't think it's outside. I think it's only indoors. Yeah. And there's a few little restrictions happening here and there, like. Which is a good time. Crowd numbers. And, yeah. yeah. So at least it's not a lockdown. <laughs> at least it's not a lockdown, but I'm, I'm not going to lie. I feel a little bit sick because I think they said, depending on numbers today and tomorrow, really? will depend if we go back into lockdown. I'm not so too that makes concerned. me ill. I'm not too concerned. My mum's flying down, so I'm going to have a roommate. Well, good luck to her because I don't know when she'll be able to go back to Queensland either. Far out. We're going to be stuck with her. Exactly. So good luck with that. But as we speak, you've got some exciting... I feel like we can say this now because by the time this will come out... It'll be live. Well, I'm not supposed to have told anyone yet, and I told you because I don't keep secrets from you. But by this time, there's another baby Pacini. Your sister-in-law and brother are currently... Well, your brother's not in labour, but your sister-in-law is currently in labour bringing in a new Pacini, which is bloody exciting. And um, you and I have both been playing this game of... Their name? The name. Let's try now, and then by the time this comes out, we'll know. I still think it's Coco, but I don't know, only because of what you've told me. Uh, But then they gave us clues the other week and that threw me. Yeah, I think it might be Macy. Oh, yeah, we guessed that. And she went, Ash went funny. Macy with a Y or an I-E? Oh, no, they said it could end with a Y. Maybe it might be May. Who? No, because Andy is Andy May. I don't know. That's weird. Oh, sorry, Ash, if that is the (laughs) name. (laughs) Maybe we should delete that. Um, But that's really exciting. But let's go back to this week's interview. We recorded in Sydney with the beautiful Caroline Groth, who um, I've been following for quite a while now. And I think she's so inspirational. And just to see her journey evolve of late has Mm. been amazing. And what did we talk about? We spoke about her journey over to Australia. She was born mm-hmm. in Denmark. Denmark, yep. Um, and then the sad thing is she was here all alone and she actually got diagnosed with cancer. Yeah, which is awful. Being such a life-changing thing in another country, even though she calls Australia home and she feels so relaxed here and um, that's a really hard thing to go through. So, and not only that, she formed an eating disorder. I don't like, yeah, I think subsequently from that, you can say not that she formed one, that she was just so conscious of what she 
put, put in, in her, her body. body. And that makes sense. That having it became an obsession. That makes sense. Having a terminal disease is um, definitely a life-changing. But the thing that makes my heart very happy, she's so well and happy and content and yeah. self-aware now. Mm-hmm. Um, so we talk about her journey. We dive quite deeply into the spiritual meditation, mindfulness kind of world. And I really love talking about that. She is also very educational towards nutrition and all that kind of stuff. So I actually learned a lot. She's actually studying it now, I think, too. Yeah, so she opens up about holistic health, her practices, and we do get a little bit woo-woo at one stage. Yeah, we do. Sorry if you just hear a tram go past where... Um, doing this in a location we usually don't do this in. Um, yeah, she does go a little bit woohoo and you love that. Woohoo sh- or woo-woo? I nearly said boo-hoo. Woo-hoo. Woo-woo. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever you want to call it. Um, so I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Caroline is amazing. And if you... Like it? Yeah. Well, I was just going to say, I think it's someone that is someone on Instagram you should actually be really following because... She's very vulnerable, real, and I find her Instagram quite informative. It's a very good word. Mm. Mm. It is. Yep. On that note, hope you guys like, subscribe, and share with all your friends and enjoy this episode. And have a beautiful Wednesday. And if you're in Melbourne, hopefully we're still in restrictions and no fucking lockdown. (laughs) No, we don't want to be in restrictions. No, well, I mean, we have to be in restrictions. I I don't want to go to a lockdown. I don't mind restrictions. It's fine. The lockdown, I don't want to get to. Okay. So let's hope we're still going to the gym going doing all the things and we're not in lockdown uh, i agree because <laughs> your mum will be here forever Yay. sorry bob <laughs> enjoy guys bye hi caroline how are you <laughs> i'm good i'm good i just had to pr- press record then to jump yeah in. i know you did i was about to say something and i saw it was on record it's like damn you're quick <laughs> i'm looking forward to this conversation i did some uh digging on you and you're quite a spiritual soul and Mm-hmm. That's something that really aligns with Tal and mm-hmm. I. So I'm, I'm interested to see where this goes. Yes, yeah. I am too. Very excited. Yeah. How are you today <laughs> anyway? I'm good. I'm a little bit tired. It's been a big week. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like <laughs> So I many know, aspects. Yeah, I feel like it's so weird. We've been talking to a lot of people lately and everyone's been feeling very similar, mm. very tired, overwhelmed. Yeah. And just, I don't know, maybe it's the seasons transitioning. I'm I not think sure. so too. Yeah. Definitely. I'm very sensitive to hot and cold, Are like you? light and dark and yeah. just seasonal changes. Mm-hmm. But I think I would like to think the more sort of self-aware you come and the more you tune into your physical body as well and like the bigger aspect of mm-hmm. that, you want to transition with the changes, right? Yeah, or like right. the seasonal changes of like also slowing down. Yeah. yeah. If you think about it, like even if you go into sort of the animal kingdom, right, mm-hmm. you sort of just pull a bit back when it becomes winter and you sort of hibernate and like we also should be doing that and slowing down Mm -hmm. but we don't live in a world that really allow that so I think that's when we feel like we're running against like ourselves all the time yeah and it's really hard to slow down our bodies are like slow the fuck down I know but we can't (laughs) because you've got to keep going yeah I think it's so funny I was when you were just saying that I'm like why probably we're feeling like that too is because you think about last year we were all in lockdown, mm. so we did have to slow down. Mm-hmm. And now we're like, and I exactly. think our bodies are like, whoa, this is like, so I agree with that. Yeah. Speaking of the seasonal changes, and you just spoke about hibernating and animalistic features, mm-hmm. are you someone who changes their diet with the season? So coming into winter, mm. will you eat heavier, yeah. rich, yeah, yeah, foods? Yeah, absolutely. 
I definitely think that I am more prone to eating um, sort of more cooked vegetables and like mm-hmm. stews and soups mm-hmm. and sort of warming, nourishing root vegetables. Mm-hmm. Um, my diet is like a whole, <laughs> it's like a whole book Yeah. because I've got so much going on in my life, like on a physical kind of emotional level of like what I can eat and like what I can't eat and so on. So even though I'd like to say in summer that I eat more lighter sort of meals, which I sort of do, my diet is pretty much the same whether it sort of comes to lighter or like sort of warmer months Mm -hmm. or like colder months because it just really depends on what my body can actually process. So for me, I don't really eat raw kind of vegetables, for example, which a lot of people love Mm -hmm. to get like a big light salad in summer. Mm -hmm. It's just too hard for my system to digest. So I always need something that's been broken down a bit more to help my body actually absorb the nutrients in an easier way than having to do all the work first. I have to do some of the work on the outside first yeah. by cooking down the vegetables so they're easier for me to absorb, yeah. Do yeah. You, so do you have quite a few intolerances? Oh. Or? <laughs> so I feel many. like everyone does these days. <laughs> totally. What are you intolerant to? I find it so interesting. Oh, totally. Like, I mean, I did an IgG food allergy test yeah. like a little while ago, but that said, also I know that an IgG food test, allergy test, it's not necessarily something that you need to avoid for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. It's really just an indication off that your gut is compromised and that there's some healing to do. Uh-huh. What and is then, that test and how do they test it? So how you test it is basically through like a blood test yep. um, and they send it in then they test, like I did quite an extensive test, so I think they tested over like 700 intolerances oh, wow. or something like that. It's quite extensive. You can get like different levels, Yeah. but I tested for like 700. Some of the things that came back with was eggs, like highly, highly intolerant no. to it. Oh, yeah. Oh, and I God. would eat like two or three eggs a day. Get out. Yeah. And um, like oysters, like lots of nuts, so cashews and stuff like that. But it wasn't – the one that was sort of a bit funny was the oysters because I never really have yeah, oysters. Yeah, yeah. But the other things I was kind of like – it makes sense because I think anything you have too much of every single day oh, all the agree. time, you build up an intolerance yeah. from, right? So a few of those things have sort of been like ruling out, but I'm back eating eggs now again and I feel fine yeah. because I've been working on my gut for like over a year now. Mm-hmm. And even though it's still so compromised and I still have to do so much work on it, I can feel it's getting stronger with some things. So I don't have eggs every single day, but I'll have it maybe like t- twice a week or something. Yeah. So those are some of the things. I haven't had gluten and dairy for about like five or six years. I'm not, I don't test intolerant to it, but I can feel yeah, that I am intolerant to it. Feel. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I personally don't believe that anyone really should be having dairy and gluten, but that's my own yeah. opinion about like research and studies that I've read uh, that I've read. Um, and then what other things don't I have? Like I don't have refined sort of like sugars yeah. and stuff like that. Um, and then I've just got a because I've just been diagnosed with Crohn's disease as well. Yeah, yeah I I'm just trying to figure out like what I can eat. Mm. My my pool of what I can eat at the moment is quite small yeah. because I'm trying to lower inflammation. So I'm yeah. having like yeah. low FODMAP, but then I'm also like not having like nuts and seeds and like legumes and like nightshades and mm-hmm. there's just <laughs> so much to it. It's quite interesting, but also I feel blessed that I know so much about mm. health and nutrition and, and that I've had such a long experience in it because otherwise I feel like I would have been completely lost now. Yeah. Yeah. I think sometimes it's better to focus on the food you can have instead mm-hmm. of the fo- food you can't have because totally. it's easier. So there's obviously like a little bit of an accent in your voice. Yeah. <laughs> so I want to go back to like younger you. Yeah. So where did you grow up and 
When did you come to Australia? Yeah. So I grew up in Denmark. Okay. Uh, I'm from a small town in, in Denmark called Kusur, which is pretty hard to pronounce. Yeah. And um, grew up with my mum and dad, my mm-hmm. sister. My parents divorced when I was nine, which sort of really set me off into just completely breaking yeah. down. Like it was really the start of, of developing depression mm-hmm. from a really young age. I felt my parents were there on a physical level, but emotionally I felt very abandoned mm-hmm. from a very young age and 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 to some to a physical extent, I also felt like I really had to be there for my mum yeah. who really kind of broke down from the divorce and and my dad was sort of absent because he had a job or he was out like two months at a time, and then my mum wouldn't really let us see my dad and so it was very hard for me because I'm very much like my dad's kind mm-hmm. of girl and, and I'm very close with my dad and I'm also close with my mum but we don't have the same yeah. relationship that I have with my dad. So that was really hard. So I grew up there and I've got an older sister and I always felt like she sort of escaped everything. Like yeah. she's sort of like been like just kind of strolling through life and I've just had so many things happen mm-hmm. to me. Um, so I grew up there and then I moved to Copenhagen when I was 17 or 18. I studied uni in there. I started uni when I was like 16 or 17. Mm -hmm. And, um, then I moved to Australia when I was 20, like three weeks before, three or four weeks before I turned 21. Yeah. One way ticket, sold all my stuff back home. Just, I don't know, just. Had you been here before? No, I had never been here before. Oh, wow. Oh my God. That would give me so much anxiety. Uh, Yeah. I think I just knew back then I was very oblivious to kind of what life, I think I thought that I had nailed life and I'd figured out what life was all about. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I just went on a whim, but there was something in me that told me it was the right thing to do. And I think looking back at it now, where I'm at now in my life with being, having cultivated cultivated so much self-awareness and all the sort of spiritual work that I'm doing, it makes sense now that I had that first sort of like inkling to there was like a voice inside of me that was telling me that even though I couldn't put it into words, it just felt like I was being guided down here in some way. And I've never felt more home in a place than I do here. Oh, wow. When I go back to Denmark now, I feel like a fish out of water. It feels so strange. I just don't feel connected to the place. Whereas when I'm here, I just feel calm and like easy and so, yeah, I moved down here when I was 20 and then now I'm turning 32 in October and mm. I've been here for almost 11 years. Oh, that's crazy. Jumped through so many hoops to stay here, though. It has oh, not yeah. been easy. Yeah. Oh, 100%. It's so hard to stay down here with bees. Like, it's increasingly getting harder. Like, everyone's closing their borders. Yeah. You know? Not just because of COVID, but in general, like, people are just, like, becoming a lot harder on, like, who they want to come yeah. into mm. their country, who they want to get PR and stuff like that. Yeah. So been having to jump through a lot of visa hoops, a lot of money. And um, yeah, I finally got my permanent residency oh, last yeah. year. Oh, yeah, up. and I can apply. <laughs> Thank you. Such a weight like lifted yeah. off my shoulders, which I didn't know until it came through. Yeah, I think I'd learned to live with this like heaviness mm. without. Like, I'd grown so accustomed mm. to it that when it came through, it was like so much trauma and just like mm. stuff just came off me. And I felt like for once in my life, I could actually breathe properly again. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, it was very. Um, it was just very Cathartic. overwhelming, yeah. totally. Yeah, so I can right. apply for my citizenship in October, which I'm going to do, so I can become a proper Aussie. Oh, my God. That's yeah. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's exciting. Yeah. Congratulations, mate. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. Um, I 
doing my digging, I found out you actually studied fashion and brand building mm-hmm. over. Yeah, yeah that's also, so is that cool. what you studied when because you, you you're yeah. swaggy as. Yeah, like, I did. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, yeah, I studied that. So I actually my whole sort of career as well growing up was actually in fashion. Oh wow. Um, which a lot of people just don't know either. Like I loved it, but it's also a very hard industry to yeah, be in, as yeah. I'm sure you would know. Um, so yeah, I went to, it was, it was very different. It was like a uni that really was focusing on the business aspect within this sort of mm-hmm. fashion world, which I really was appealing to me because mm-hmm. I knew that I wanted to go to uni, but I just didn't want to go to like a strict business school because yeah. I found that quite, not really into finances and like yeah. all the kind of boring thing. Yeah. I'm a lot more creative from like that side. So I found this and it was great. And so I did that for like a few years and then I finished out and then I moved down here to Australia. And, um, yeah, I was working within sort of like fashion back in Denmark for quite a few years before I moved down here. And then I moved down here and then I started in fashion as well, but sort of with more of like a digital aspect, so Mm. e-commerce, digital. And then I sort of branched a lot more into it purely being focused on digital marketing, PR, um, e-commerce, brand building and stuff like that for numerous amounts of brands. It sort of went from fashion and then it went more into sort of hospitality, FMCG. I was head of e-commerce for Unilever for quite a few years and was head of um, digital marketing for like a hospitality company up here in Sydney. So I've had about like sort of 12 years of like a very um, intense sort of like marketing career, I suppose. Has that helped you in building your own brand? Mm. Yeah, 100%. When I decided to go out on my own, which was... Yeah, a bit over four years ago, mm. I definitely think that the insider knowledge I have of mm. like working across Melbourne, Sydney, and to some extent up sort of like Brisbane and like just in Queensland definitely gave me, it gave me like an insight of like how it was to work with people both on design side, like in-house side and then also working with influencers. Mm. Yeah. And so when I branched out and sort of did oh, that yeah. on my own, I could really come from every single angle and understand how to negotiate and like how to do the contracts and everything as well. And and I'd sort of build up my name for a long time. So yeah. when I branched out and now was doing the influencing thing, people just knew me and like how I was working on a professional level as mm-hmm. well. So I think I'd built up a trust and a respect within that world. And so that just I just brought that with me into working for myself yeah. as well. So it's been like a very sort of like natural progression. I never feel like I've I've worked very hard to be where I am today, but I sort of built that up before I ventured out on my own as well to sort of have that those relationships with people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It started off as a blog mm. and now Wait, can we just go back one second? So we've gone from fashion, but now we're going to health and wellness. Health and wellness. (laughs) Yes. It started off as a health and wellness blog Mm -hmm. your Mm -hmm. whole career. Blogging's not really a thing now. So what would you say you do? It's It's, so hard, isn't it? It's such a hard question when people say that to me, even Mm -hmm. like – you know, now when I'm now that I'm single and people yeah. are like, "What do you do?" Oh I'm yeah, because like, uh, we work for myself, well, buddy. <laughs> how long do you have? Yeah. <laughs> Let's uh, unpack this. Yeah, um, yeah. It's really I find it really hard to say what I yeah. do because, to be honest, even when I was working for other people and when I had sort of like a professional career, even though this is a professional career yeah. as well. I've always been like a jack of all trades. Like 
I've never wanted to do just one thing. Mm-hmm, yeah. I would always have like my hand in like five different baskets mm-hmm. and like wearing like 10 different hats. So I feel like I've sort of brought that with me into working for myself. And to be honest, I think that's why I also wanted to work for myself because I feel like I can be everywhere yeah. Yeah. and I really thrive on that. So, yeah, I wouldn't call myself a blogger. But then also when people call me an influence, I also don't really the like one. that. Yeah. Yeah. But I maybe also think it's because – the word's a bit tainted sometimes. It is. Yeah. And I think it's because maybe some people sort of tainted like a little bit, right? So it's a bit of a, a weird kind of word. But I like to say that I'm a content creator yeah. for like different brands, but also for myself as mm-hmm. well. I think I need to like fine-tune it a bit, but really my goal and my what I want to do with what I'm doing now is really to inspire people to yeah. be their best selves yeah. and to live their best life and to not be shy about focusing on themselves because at the end of the day, you are going to be the most important person for yourself Mm. in this life. And I think a lot of us shy away from that. And to be honest, if we don't step into our own light, like we can't do all the things that we really want to do while we're here Mm -hmm. in this lifetime. So yeah, that's sort of like, that's a bit of a broader kind Mm. of like thing about what I do. Yeah. How did you transition into the health and wellness space? So growing up, were you Mm. always passionate about the health and wellness industry or how did you get into that kind of space? So I played um, sports from like a very young age in Denmark as well. I played um, handball for about like 15 years, like European handball. And so I was always sort of in the sports kind of world as well. I was a very sporty Mm -hmm. girl growing up. So I've always had like I've always loved training and those kind of things. But then I sort of transitioned into being down here and I got really sick. So I was mm-hmm. diagnosed with cancer when I was about 22. So did you get you got diagnosed when you were here with yeah. no family, nothing? Yeah, no family. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. So I got diagnosed with cancer when I was down here and received treatment for that. And it was – it's sort of like – it was like a – it was sort of like a package that came mm-hmm. with the cancer really – triggered what I'd already had yeah. been starting with my eating disorder from a very yeah, young yeah. age when I was about 15. That sort of was in and out of my life and then I got diagnosed with cancer and then the eating disorder component to that really escalated yeah. because I got so scared of whatever I was putting in my body was going to make me sick again yeah. even mm. when I was declared well and I was like in remission that I just took it to the extreme mm-hmm. and so I would hardly eat anything and I'll be so particular about what I would eat and I would train all the time and I'll do yoga all the time and I just literally turned into nothing. Mm-hmm. I think like my lowest weight was like 37 kilos Holy or something. Shit. I yeah. was tiny. And so my obsession, like I really got into health because of that, mm-hmm. but it became an obsession. Yeah. Like yeah. it wasn't a healthy mm-hmm. view on health. And so really the last sort of like 10 years almost I've spent unpacking that Mm -hmm. and really getting myself into a place now where I feel like I can call myself in remission from everything that I've sort of dealt with. You know, I don't have an eating disorder anymore. Um, I don't have cancer anymore. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not this thick, thin kind of girl. Like I really feel like I'm coming into a space where I'm really confident in myself Mm -hmm. and I really know who I am and I really like the person that I am and that I am becoming as well Mm -hmm. yeah I love that do you look at yourself like photos and stuff of when you were sick Mm. now and recognize how sad and unhappy you were do you do that Uh. at the time do you think you saw that deep down no no I don't think so like definitely not to the extent that I have their awareness now Mm. like you're saying when I look at a photo and I was actually with some girlfriends last weekend and 
somehow we got talking about it and I showed them photos and one of my best girlfriends, she started cr- almost crying oh, and yeah. she was like, I don't want to see that. Like, don't show me that because all I want to do is just hug um, that girl mm. and like never let you go and yeah. tell you you're good enough. And I think there was definitely like a level off me when I was that sick that felt this deep pain. Like mm. looking back at it now, I know that I felt it. Yeah. But I was just trying to like shove it down by like becoming skinnier mm. or, you know, becoming more strict with my diet because I felt like that was the solution to mm. the problem, yeah. which was the cause of the problem to yeah. begin with, right? So, yeah, absolutely. And I also feel like this is one of the things where I think you can measure that you are in remission or that you are actually – um, letting go of that part of yourself with the disordered yeah. eating is that when you look at those photos, you no longer think that it's appealing mm-hmm, and it's yeah. no longer nice. You're like, that's sad. sad. It's yeah. sad, right? And it's not It's not actually a good look, right? Yeah. 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 It's actually beautiful seeing the person you've yeah, become great. today. Thank you. And I think it's a thing that probably comes with age that mm. you no longer seek external validation yeah, and you agree. become so comfortable with who you are and decisions you make and it's kind of what you say, tell zero mm. fucks about anyone yeah, else. Yeah, you just yeah. have to give zero fucks. Yeah. I agree. You yeah. get to a stage and you're like, because I was the same, I didn't eat disorder mm. and I thought I had to be skinny in order to be loved or accepted yeah. and yeah. stuff like And it comes from childhood trauma, yeah. of course. But um, I think it does. You just have to zero fucks. Who cares? Yeah. It's how you treat people and all that outside stuff doesn't 100%. matter. 100%. Do you think I it agree. was time that got you there or do you think it, did you have other external assistance yeah. therapies, meditations yeah. that helped you mm-hmm. yeah, find yourself? Yeah. Um, absolutely all of those. Yeah. So I definitely also think, like you're saying, it does come with, I mean, it's also age right like I hate to say it right but it is like we we have more life experience Mm -hmm. we have like more in like a backpack of life like we've got more to weigh it up against Mm -hmm. and and we do learn with age what is also important because at the end of the day I'm sorry to like burst anyone's bubble but we all get older and we all get wrinkles and Mm -hmm. we all get these things and yes we can keep ourselves in shape but inevitably we're all going to age and we're all going to die right in this physical kind of human body form that we've got here now and then we're going to transition onto something different or come back or whatever but I think it, you do just like start realizing that with age that this is not gonna last yeah. mm-hmm. and so you've got to be more yeah. than just your physical self right and then that comes into like what is the person who are the who's the person that you're showing up as right mm-hmm. like what's the level of kindness and compassion that you can bring through this lifetime or with your friends and so on but for me definitely look I was in a long-term relationship with my now ex-partner we broke up mid last year and he was definitely being sent to me I think to show me Mm -hmm. that I was lovable outside of this exterior shell that I have right um so he was a very big um catalyst in like me changing Mm -hmm. and getting me to a point but then also I had a very unconventional way of like actually getting to recovery because I also didn't have Medicare so I couldn't just go and like get, you know, support by like therapists and like all these things. So I really also didn't feel like that was my path to Mm -hmm. recovery. Mm -hmm. I really sort of went a spiritual way. So yoga, like meditation, lots of like books that was really – like esoteric books that was coming in from an angle of like 
what's the trauma that we've been mm-hmm. holding on from like this lifetime, past lifetimes, you know, um, like a lot of sort of esoteric, like therapists as well and unpacking like family drama mm-hmm. and and just so many things. And I sort of feel like my approach to healing was very holistic. So yeah. there was like emotional, physical, um, spiritual, you know, there was so many sort of layers and aspects to it that I was really unpacking. And that was sort of the way for me that I really got to a point where one day I was like, I'm not going to binge, I'm not going to purge. And, but it took me like three, four, five years to actually build up Mm -hmm. to the point where one day I was just like, that's it. I'm not doing this anymore. No matter what it takes for me, I'm just going to get through like one day where I'm not binging, I'm not purging. And then one day took two days and then two turned into four and then four turned into like Mm -hmm. eight. And so it just sort of snowballed. Mm -hmm. And the more I sort of honored myself and stayed in my truth of like knowing that what I did, even though it hurt me, felt like the right thing to move forward. I knew that if I stayed in that, like I felt like I became stronger every single day Mm -hmm. because I think that you're strengthening this muscle within yourself where you're actually keeping your own word to yourself. And that's the thing I think you lose when you have an eating disorder is that you're telling yourself that today you're not going to deny yourself Mm -hmm. food or you're not going to binge or you're not going to purge. And then you get to a point you're like, I'll just do it today and I'll start again tomorrow. And constantly you are just, you're not keeping your own word to yourself. And so it's learning about like, getting comfortable with yourself again and like honoring yourself and I think so many of us don't actually do that from like a day-to-day life yeah I think that's amazing one word like if you have to describe that as one word because I know having an eating disorder and eating food like the fear of getting fat Mm. and all that kind of stuff if you could describe that in one word because for me I've got one word in my head what was that for you like death yeah it feels like it feels like actual death on so many layers Mm. right like physical emotional Mm. like spiritual it feels like but I also felt like a part of me died. Yeah. Like I did feel like it was, you know, this way of like spirits or, or like the ego self kind of like completely taking over. Mm. And I think so many of us live from like an ego self mm-hmm. and we really need to learn to live from a soul level. Mm-hmm. And the ego continuously keeps yeah. coming in and it's like, no, just do this, no, just do mm-hmm. this. And we're so used to listening to it that we think that is our true mm-hmm. selves and it's not, right? Yeah. So it feels weird to go against what feels natural mm-hmm. because we think that's our true selves, mm-hmm. but it's not. So you got to just keep pushing through it, right, mm-hmm. and feel like it feels like fucking death, but yeah. it's not like it's actually me being reborn, mm-hmm. right? There's like sort of like a difference to it, yeah. Yeah, wow, that's powerful mm-hmm. and strong. When mm-hmm. you talk about the ego um, and for people listening and they're like, what does she mean by that? To me, it's the that little voice in the, <clears throat> your head that sometimes tells you what to do and yeah. you're like, no, I don't yeah. want to do that. But it, yeah. And the less power you give it, the more your true self comes mm-hmm. through. Yeah, absolutely. Like it is this, the ego self I would describe as, you know, it's this incessant kind of thoughts and like beliefs mm-hmm. that continuously pop up within us mm-hmm. that we are so used to just going along with. It's True. like living on autopilot. I think that's the ego self yeah. as well. It's it's ingrown habits, it's ingrown patterns, it's like trauma and stuff like that that is continuously showing up as the ego self mm. and like unpacking that all the time and actually sitting down and listening into like, well, what feels really, really true to me? Mm-hmm. Is it actually the ego self or is there something deeper underneath that layer as well that I can tap into? But that takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of wanting to sit in the depth of I think despair and the suffering and I think I also think that a lot of people think that um 
once you get to a point where you do cultivate self-awareness on like a daily basis, that you're free from suffering and you're free Mm -hmm. from pain. It's not like that, you know, like we still all have to go through pain and, and heartbreak and suffering and everything. But you know that when you go through it, you can also see yourself out of it, right? And you know there's a meaning to it. Like Mm -hmm. you can see it from a bigger point of view that you know that this suffering and the pain is also serving you for a greater purpose. Yeah, Yeah, something, right? That that is going to... (laughs) Sorry, keep going, keep going. (laughs) But it's going to help you in like the the, the bigger picture, right? Mm -hmm. Like you know it's it's actually bringing you more power and more depth Mm -hmm. to you that you can actually utilise, right? Mm -hmm. Because then the next time you get into the same situation, like you have a bigger perspective on things and you can be like, I know that I'm strong enough to sit through this shit. Yeah. It fucking hurts, but I know that I'll get out of it stronger. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. I'm going to take that one out. What time is that on the podcast? I'm going to take that one out. (laughs) What is your daily practice like now? For life, health, wellness, spirituality. Yeah. Are you a routine person? I feel like you would be. I'm definitely a routine person. Yeah, you're like us. Everything you're saying, (laughs) she's like us. No. I love a good routine. But then also like sometimes I need to step outside of my routine too. 100%. You need to. I can be too routine person. Go to coffee shop. Do this, do that. Exactly. I agree. Because I do get very accustomed to like Mm -hmm. a routine. But... Like even like my eating through eating disorder sort of recovery, the best thing you can do for yourself is have a routine. Yeah, of because course. Because you need to know. Like I think that's the hardest thing. Like in recovery from an eating disorder, you get you're already stressed out mm-hmm. enough in your head about like don't binge, don't purge, like don't restrict. Like there's I'm so many things like going on yeah. in your head. Exactly. Yeah. It's you need to have a routine that you can almost do on an autopilot yeah. kind of thing mm-hmm. until you get more momentum and you can actually make decisions for yourself mm-hmm. without it being based on an emotional level of self-soothing through food or like denying yourself food and stuff like that. So, yeah, I definitely do have a routine. Like I get up every morning and I meditate. So I'm a Vedic mm-hmm. meditator. Yeah. Today's World so Meditation Day. Yeah. Oh, yes. it is. Yeah. It's <laughs> yeah, it is. It is true. Yeah. yeah. So I've done that for about a good five years now. Mm-hmm. Um, every morning, every afternoon I meditate for 20, 20 minutes, so two times mm-hmm. a day. Um, and then I wake up with my little boy, Archie, like my little doggy. Yeah. Um, he comes up for snuggles in the bed and then I take him walking and then I do my skincare kind of routine in the morning, mm-hmm. go to the gym and then I have coffee with my friends after yeah. the gym. Like it's such a, a good thing. I've got such a good group of people around me that I really, we just all know each other so well and we challenge each other every single yeah. day. And that's what I really, the older that I get, I'm so tired of friendships and relationships that are focused on just nodding and saying yes. Yeah. Like I want someone to fucking challenge me. Yeah, yeah, if you don't yeah. believe in like my views or if you if I feel like I'm like Teach projecting, yeah, yeah, or I'm completely like blindsided mm. by something that I'm saying and I'm not picking up on these things, I want people to actually tell Pick me that. Yeah. 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 I want people to tell me that like I'm here to grow. I'm not just here to like stay stagnant, right? Mm-hmm. So I love this. Like we've got such a good crew going and just like going and having coffee. And then I go home and like I start my work at like 8.30 or sort of 9 in the morning. Mm -hmm. I still get up really, even though I work for myself and I'm not a sleeping in person. Yeah, either way. I'm a massive A type person. So I still get up like at 6, 5.30 or 6 in the morning, right? And like I'll start my day working at like 8.30 or 9 Mm -hmm. just for myself. Yeah, Find that time in the day is the best. We say it's the best time of the day. Totally. I want to go back to how you practice meditation Mm. twice a day. Now – if you do you feel wigged out if you skip a day or if you yeah. skip the afternoon like how yeah. do you feel if you skip meditation yeah i definitely there was 
sometimes when there's a lot going on in my life, it's actually quite interesting. And I think a lot of people can probably recognize this. A lot of time when we're all stressed out, the first things to go are the things that we need. It's true. Right? Like it's so strange, but it's just like, oh, I don't have time for meditation, but it's the one thing that you should actually have time for instead of scrolling on your phone for 20 minutes, right? So a few weeks ago I didn't meditate for like I think a good week or something, which is very out of the ordinary for me. I was very stressed out and like I just had so much work on and it's just not good. Like I'm not the same person. Yeah. I'm like living up here and like I'm really quite almost anxious. Mm -hmm. Like there's this low level of just like anxiousness underneath Mm me. I don't have the same self-awareness. I'm very – I don't have the same patience with people either. Mm-hmm. I get very fed up with small things. And normally I'm someone that has got a lot of time for people, but if I don't get my meditations in and they're especially when I'm around people that maybe don't have this – that's lacking in sort of self-awareness, I get very like short. Not mm-hmm. snappy, but I get very short with people yeah. and I don't have time for mm-hmm. that. Uh, so I can absolutely feel when I don't have my meditations yeah. in. Like just the level of self-awareness that I have when I do my meditations, it's it just means that I'm living from my true self mm-hmm. when I actually meditate. When I don't get them in, I live a very basic human life. Mm. Yeah. You do a particular meditation though, yeah. don't you? Yeah, absolutely. What's your mo- Vedic meditation? Yes, Vedic meditation. So I do, yeah, Vedic meditation. I was taught um, five years ago by Jeff Kober in LA. He's amazing. And, um, yeah, you get a mantra that's, like, based on your age and, like, where you're at in life and so on when you were born. Um, And you can't share that with anyone. So it's, like, specific to, yeah, 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 it's very, it's only you and your teacher knows it, obviously. You can't share it with anyone because... I think to some extent it loses its power for yourself of as course. well if you're sharing it with mm-hmm. people. Yeah. So sit there and, like, you obviously sort of recite that mantra in your head mm. while you're sitting in your meditation. And it just makes it a bit easier. I've got a very – my mind is everywhere. So it just makes it easier because mm. you've got something to focus mm. on that you continuously are, like, telling yourself mm-hmm. and it just makes it easier for your brain to just sort of, like, relax. As, yeah. as your life evolves – can you go back to that teacher and see if it changes? See, that's what I thought as well, actually. So it doesn't change, okay. but you can add on to it. Okay, oh. so, so it's still after, there. Yes, okay. so it's still there. So maybe then you add on like another mantra. So you sort of got like two, two. and then you say the same yeah. two over and over again. Huh. And then I think you can keep sort evolving. of expanding yeah, them yeah, and yeah, evolving yeah. them. Yeah, exactly. Huh, I yeah. didn't know that. I knew it was a mantra, but I didn't know the teacher could only give it to you and you couldn't tell anyone else. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Interesting. I did know that because I think I saw a Sarah Wilson post about it oh, years yeah. ago, years yeah. ago. I feel like a lot of Sydney people, that I know do, do that, that meditation. Yeah. It's not so popular in Melbourne. I don't know no. why. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Strange. What other spiritual practices do you do? Because I know talent, like we do sound bowl healing. You do oh, your Reiki. I love yeah. That. yeah. I do Reiki. Yeah, yeah. So you do Reiki. Yeah. 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 I mean, I do a lot of sort of like alternative kind of esoteric mm-hmm. healing mm. therapy sessions. So, for example, I've got an esoteric therapist as well that I go and see once a week. What does yeah, that right? mean for people listening? Yeah. Yes. So, esoteric is all about like the spirit and soul and how we are souls living this human life. Yeah. And so it's 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 how it manifests like on a physical level mm-hmm. as well. So it's a lot deeper than, you know, we talk about emotions, stuff like that, but it's even deeper than that. It's how when we get swayed from living like a soulful life, how we get swayed from the ego, like the spirit self mm-hmm. coming in from like an astral plane and then tapping into these vulnerable moments that we have. And this these vulnerable moments is when we feel like we're not being ourselves. Mm-hmm. That's the ego that comes in and takes over. Mm-hmm. So it's continuously how can we continue to, come back and align with our path 
and allow all the things that are happening in life to be teachers, right, and take them as that and then continue on our path to live out our purpose, whatever that is, here in this lifetime so that we can move on to the next lifetime being more enlightened and aligned with our purpose and then we get to hopefully a point where we don't have to come back here anymore as energy and we just live as energy in the universe Uh and as pure love. Yeah. Okay. So that's sort of like what it is. Yeah. This might be a bit of an out there question. (laughs) Go Um, for it. Do you have any clairaudience, clairvoyance yeah. Yeah. Wow, cool. So I go and see I go and see my psychic medium probably yeah. like two or three times a year as well. Mm-hmm. She's very powerful. She's I also got like Do you, like, do you experience it yourself though? Oh yes. So I've had it I've had it I feel energies and spirits uh-huh. quite a lot. I also have which I'm not very good at explaining, but I do have um I feel like I need to turn back this story. So I'm dipping like yeah, a little no, bit, but I'm into it though. Yeah. <laughs> Sarah loves like mediums, clairvoyance, and like all yeah. This shit. So back in in quite a few years ago, probably about like eight years ago, so I actually tried to take my own life, mm-hmm. and I was dead in hospital for about a minute no, or so. No, no. Yeah, and it took me a few years for my physical brain to remember what happened that night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I think I had to work through a lot of trauma from it for me to actually remember. Like my body, my physical body shut down so much uh-huh. that I couldn't remember all of it that happened. So basically what happened was that I got into hospital and I was stable and I remember the nurse or doctor or something like that telling me that my best friend uh, was on the phone and he was calling from Melbourne and he was saying – what I can remember was that he was saying, it's okay, you'll be okay, like we'll be there. And I would just remember to him saying to him, I can't do this anymore, it's too dark. And I remember just crying and feeling this like heaviness mm. of like, I just don't want to live. I don't want to live because I don't see a way out of it. It's mm. too dark, I can't do it. And that's the last thing I remember. And then a few years later, what came back, started coming back to me was that when I said that to him on the phone, it sounds really cliche, but it felt like I was in this like massive tunnel and mm. it felt like these like headlights just came towards me of this like blinding, blinding, blinding mm. white light. And I started feeling my dad around me and I saw these things kind of like growing up and like really special moments in my life where I felt really, really loved and uh-huh. needed. And then suddenly it felt like someone literally, you know how you, when you pull like a bow back, mm-hmm. yeah. it felt like someone and instead of like launching forward, like the bow oh, went yeah. backwards and I just felt like someone pulled me out back and this like darkness just said, Vroom! and I feel like that's probably when I, my soul stepped back into my physical body again. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And then I woke up in ICU with like everything around me. And the nurse I remember was such a beautiful soul. She came and she said to me, she was like, you're not supposed to be here. And I was like, what is going on? Whoa. So to lead into the next thing was that then, then after a few years after that was really my sort of um, when I started no- remembering that experience, I started noticing that when I'm really tapped into something, I have a weird sense of of feeling what is going to happen in the next day or two. Oh wow! Okay. So it's not always energetically yeah, 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 yeah. people showing up, um, even to the extent that like five of my friends or something like that 
when they fall pregnant, for example, they'll like call me and I was like, oh, I already knew, knew this. Like yeah. just small things, but also people showing up, like things happening and stuff like that. And I can't really put it into words, but I just know that it's sort of like happening. Mm. Yeah. And then I recently over the last probably about like a year and a half or so, I've had a lot of instances in my apartment where um, I can literally feel like people touching me. No. Yeah, like really but it doesn't feel – I'm not scared. Yeah. It doesn't it's feel like scary. Yeah. yeah. So I've had sort of like two instances where people have like been touching me, where I've been awake, someone holding like around my leg, and then another time where I've been sitting in meditation where I can just feel someone sitting across from me and sitting with their hands on my knees. Mm. But then I also had like an experience where it actually did feel really dark. I was discussing with my esoteric counsellor. I woke up one night in my bed and I felt – terrified like I felt like I was paralyzed with fear Mm. there was something in my bedroom that was so all-encompassing dark Mm. that I just felt like I could not close my eyes I was terrified and so I talked to her about it and sometimes these sort of like spirits or souls are like stuck in between not being in the physical realm but also not being in the universal Mm, realm they're stuck in this in-between space where they're trying to deviate you away from your path of finding your light. Wow. And so, um, and they're really there to like get you off your path, Mm. which is sort of like a little bit aligned with the ego self because the ego self don't want you to step towards your light because it wants you to stay stuck in the ego self, right? So once you, sometimes when that's when people feel like sometimes when they're on a really good path, sometimes they feel like they're like getting curveballs in yeah. life. And you're like, what the fuck? What's the I'm in such a good, throw at exactly. Me. Yeah. And that's really to deviate you away from your path because they don't really want you to follow your light, right? Mm. Um, so, yes, yeah, some of those things like I sort of like experience. But that also takes my meditations because yeah. when I don't have my meditations, I lose the connection to myself. Mm-hmm. So it's always cultivating that more con- that connection to yourself and working on that. That's yeah. really huh. cool. Yeah. That's wild. It's, <laughs> it's quite – I don't even know what kind of meditation or what I, space I sit in, but – when you were talking about when you were in the hospital and you got taken back to a time when you were so loved mm. and you just felt all those mm. feelings, mm. sometimes when I'm feeling really ungrounded and unstable, I go and sit with mm. my childhood self yeah. and relive those quite powerful emotions. So it brings me to that yeah. feeling then. Yeah, it just absolutely. Like really grounding. Yeah. You've yeah. got to, yeah. I think you also just got to do what works for you. Yeah. Yeah, I think great. sometimes as a general in society, we get so caught up with that we have to do things a certain way. Yeah. And at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter how you, you can be a mindful meditation. You know, sometimes it's this practice as well, like the Japanese culture have got like tea making, right? Mm-hmm. It's this thing. It's not just making tea. It's it's because you're 100% concentrated on making the tea, yeah. mm. stirring like the tea leaves mm. and like pouring the hot water into it, being at a certain temperature. That's a meditation. Yeah, yeah. true. So whether you wash the dishes or you fold the laundry, it doesn't matter as long as you 100% do it with the con- not the concentration, but presence. the dedication mm. yeah. and the presence in that moment. Yeah. That's what meditation mm. is. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people totally. are scared of meditation for that one reason because they yeah. think it is all about just sitting there, sitting mm-hmm. still, yeah. and like yeah. could be running, could be anything you're on. Yeah. Mm. It's like the smells, the touch, yeah. whatever it is. Yeah. Going back to diet, nutrition, health, mm-hmm. um, and you were talking about healing your gut and all yeah. the trauma. A couple of questions. Yeah. Do you are you vegan? 
I used to be vegan. Yeah, right. And I think that's part of why it's ruined my gut. Mm. No, I, I, yeah. just as I was going to ask about like bone broths and things yeah. like healing the, the gut. Yeah. And how do you go about healing your gut? Because we get yeah. asked this a lot. Mm. Yeah. My background's nutrition. Oh, wow. Okay. You're in health and wellness. Wellness. And yeah. I've had gut, gut problems issues. for fucking years. Yeah. So people are always like, how do I go about healing my gut? I've got gut issues. Yeah. So how do you go about mm. it? Yeah, totally. Mine is, I would also say mine is pretty severe. So remember that I had cancer, I had an eating disorder mm, yeah. for like over a decade. So, and now I've just got diagnosed with Crohn's. Mm. So I'm very severe as well, which some people will be as well. Yeah. But my case is like very, I've got a lot of damage to like undo, right? Mm. Um, but for me, I work with a, an alternative coach as well, like a gut healing coach. So I'm not really into western medicine look i think it's there for acute situations and i had cancer and you know it was there for like a reason and it was good and i don't regret it at all Mm. but in my everyday life of healing my physical body it's not western medicine that i turn to so i work with functional medicine practitioners and sort of like more not even like naturopaths and stuff like that but just People who look into what is the, um, even when you look at bloods, right, what's the optimal range mm. of actually being, not like what you go to a GP and they're like, you're fine. Yeah. It's like, you're not fine, right? Yeah, like give you these antibodies. Exactly. Like making it work. Yeah. Totally. So how I'm going about it is that I'm working with someone that have done like stool tests or so like GeoMap stool mm-hmm. tests, right? Mm-hmm. It's great, great tool that I feel like most people should be doing. Yeah, it doesn't. it's not covered by Medicare, but, you know, how often do we spend so much money going out for dinners and yeah. drinking and stuff like that, right? So something like that I think is really uh, powerful to see, well, where is the positive and, like, negative gram bacteria? Like, where does it sit? Do you have, like, most people, most people have SIBO. Like, mm. so many people have SIBO. So many people have got, like, um, like bacteria-related issue, yeah. which is the whole reason for the gut issues yeah. as well. And then there's like gut permeability and like dysbiosis in general, right? That people sort of like oversee. So I think also we live in a world where, you know, and, and I do it too. I'm in the same kind of work where all information is so available to you and it's not really reg- regulated. So I think some of the information there is about gut health is too broad yeah, and it doesn't really pack a punch. And so it's like this thing about people saying, well, everyone should be drinking kombucha and having like sauerkraut. Well, I'm sorry, it's not going to be healthy for you if you've got too much of that bacteria in your True. stomach. Then yeah. it's going to make you bloated yeah. and it's going to make you gassy and it's going to make it even worse. worse. So yeah. it it's it comes down to bioindividuality, right? We're all different and we all should be treated as individual organisms here. Yeah. And so you should look into your health from like an individual approach. Yes, there are some things that can fan over it, but I think what is really important is to work with someone that can have an individualized approach to your health and not just prescribe you like a diet or a regime <laughs> that's like prescribed to like 300 people because chances are it's not going to work. Yeah. It's so, like putting a Band-Aid over something. Yeah, it's true. Totally, yeah. yeah. But for me, so at the moment what I'm sort of like um, what I've found personally works for me is actually having like a higher protein diet, a little bit I don't really I don't like to put words on diets, but more of like a keto approach. Yeah. So high protein, high fat. I don't do well on like too many grains because my my gut is compromised and Crohn's just don't do well with too much fiber either. Yep. So I love vegetables. If I could be vegan, I would probably be yeah, vegan. Yeah. I used to be that and it burned my gut and I just can't, like I've had to really turn down the notch on vegetables. It's too much fiber for my tummy. I just mm. can't process yeah. it. So even though it's 
you know, it's healthy. It's not healthy for me. Yeah. yeah. So I've I've just had to like really turn it down. Like and and you know what? I've also really had to put all my beliefs around diet into like the bin and just try whatever I can. Whatever I'm like dabbling feel. so much into different things. I do a lot of bone broth, which yeah. is like one thing that I think, unless you've got a histamine problem, mm-hmm. bone broth I think everyone, everyone. should be having. Yeah. That's definitely a good thing. Especially in winter. Oh, totally, mm. absolutely. Like soups and stuff like that is also like really great. Just anything that's sort of nourishing and like also a bit easy on the digestive mm, system. Yeah. What a lot of people I think can do if they do have digestive issues is cooking their foods. Yeah. Raw is very hard to break down if you already got like gut permeability your like dysbiosis Mm -hmm. so just helping your body like a little bit more with breaking down the nutrients before it actually comes Mm. into your stomach and like another thing that I think a lot of people forget is that you know our digestive system starts in the mouth right with the saliva and actually breaking it down it starts with chewing the food properly it starts with sitting down and taking breaths and calming your nervous system so that your digestive system can actually kick in and Mm. do its work and it's not I know we all sometimes have to be on the run and eat on the run, but the best thing you can do for yourself if you've got gut health issues is to sit down and take a moment to breathe and give thanks to your food, which is something that I do energetically. I put Mm. love into my food because it's going to go through my system. And then actually taking the time to chew and breathe and put your fork down and, you know, even like a simple salad or whatever you eat should be taking you 15, 20, 30 minutes to actually eat. Mm, yeah. But most of us, what, take five minutes to like chow it down, Yeah, right? it's true. So it, the digestive system starts in the mouth and so it passes through everything. So really what the best thing you can do for yourself, I think, is really mm. give more thought to your f- eating habits as well and your eating patterns, yeah. yeah. Mm. Can I just ask about mm. the body and stuff like that and your mm. recovery? And we're all females here. Mm. Your period. Yeah, absolutely. What happened? Did you lose your period? Have you got it back? Yeah. Are you working on it? Like what yeah. What does that look like for you? So I lost my period for a good like probably about three or four years. Mm-hmm. And then this was when I still had my eating disorder. Yeah, so I lost it for about three or four years. Then it came, I got it maybe like once or twice, like randomly. Mm-hmm. And then I lost it again for like three years. Then I got it like once or twice and I lost it for like a few months. And then when I chose recovery, literally started eating, I was so – I've been very lucky with it coming back. I know it's not the same case Mm. for most people. That's the one thing that's been easy in my life is getting my period back. Um, But I got it back within the first month and it's been consistent ever since then. That is amazing. between sometimes when I'm stressed, it might come like a, a once or two. It's not on normal, right? Yeah. To have it like a little bit before, but I'm pretty much like 28 to 30 days, like bang on every mm-hmm. single time. I know when I'm ovulate, like I know when I'm PMSing, like all these things. Yeah. But I've had to work a lot on, and this comes back to the gut health as well. I know that my gut is becoming stronger when my PMS and my ovulation symptoms are becoming less. True. Because yeah. I think it's one of the things that we women also sadly have been taught by society that it's normal to have like period really pain. bad period yeah. pains. It's I'm sorry. Yes, it's it's common. Mm. It's not normal. Yeah. Like it's I believe that our bodies, our physical bodies are speaking to us at any time mm. of the day, but we just need to have the self-awareness to mm. tune into that conversation mm. instead of like shoving it down as well. Because even though I believe that we're souls having a human experience, we're still given a body that we need to respect and mm-hmm. honor in this lifetime. And so that's also part of the journey of like honoring and respecting your physical body so you can live out your purpose. And that comes into what you're eating, what you're feeding it, both on like um, 
like nutrition, but also what you're thinking and what mm. you're telling it every single day, right? So there's so many sort of like aspects to us as well that comes into it. But yeah, I've been very lucky with my period yeah, of coming lucky, back yeah. because so many people struggle with it. Yeah. Mm. Even that don't have an eating disorder, yeah, right? Like 100%. women struggle with their periods. Like you yeah. went off the pill for a bit. You yeah. didn't get your period for yeah. years. Yeah. It's like such like that's a blessing. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Massive blessing. Do you have any other questions? Um, No, I wanted to know about the period thing because I know it's like, a lot of people who have had an yeah. eating disorder have yeah. to work really hard. Like for yeah. me, I had to go to a Chinese doctor for a few mm. months to go on herbs yeah. um, and he got it back and you had to go to yeah. the Chinese doctor yeah. to get yeah. it back. But I think once you start nourishing your body, eating properly yeah. again, things are moving and you're very totally. lucky that it can. Yeah. yeah. I would have to say like just on this sort of period thing because I do have a lot of women that every day mm. talks to me on Instagram and DMs and stuff yeah. like that about eating disorder and how can they get help mm. and like what should they do and – even if they are, you know, eating and they're telling me what they're eating and, like, their weight and stuff like that and and sending me photos and they're like, why am I not getting my period back Mm. but I'm eating? But it's like, yeah, but are you eating enough? Yeah, exactly. All the the, right foods. Exactly. And the thing is that, and I did the same thing, so I'm speaking from experience, is that when you go through recovery, because you're so used to wanting to be skinny and little, Mm. with every – 100 grams you what you gain you think you're gaining 20 kilos yes. right yeah. yeah so you're sitting and looking at yourself being like but I'm getting so big why am I not getting yeah. my period yeah but the thing is that and and again like for me I've sort of I don't know what oh I actually do know what a way because I had to have surgery for like the yeah. Crohn's and stuff like that but um I don't weigh myself anymore nah. but I know that I've I had to gain like a lot of weight. I had to let fully let go yeah. and gain whatever weight yeah. my body needed to mm-hmm. gain to feel safe to be like okay, I'm not going to have cravings anymore. I'm not going to have the urge to binge because the urge to binge is there because your body is trying to protect you from dying. Mm. Like that's really it's like a very animalistic mm. kind of thing where your animal brain is actually taking over also and being well, I'm trying to keep you alive, so let me binge. But then you're like, no, I don't want you, so I'll mm. perch, right? Yeah. And it's this continuous cycle that just, you know, never stops until you actually are like, okay, I'm going to surrender. I'm going to let my body have the food and the nourishment that it's begging me for. Mm. And so, yes, you might feel like you're almost binging with then without, if you can do it without purging. You feel like you're binging for like a period of time. You're not really, you're just nourishing your body. Mm. But it took me, like, I think I weighed a lot more. Now that my body is finally feeling safe, it's like I'm just going to lose whatever I need to lose and then I'm going to plateau where I feel safe. Yeah, of course, yeah. Exactly, right? So I think it's also important for people to know that I choose in recovery not to – it's not about talking about the weight or anything, but I do know that it's a – people are scared of that. If they let go, they turn into, you know – double their size mm. and maybe yeah you will probably get a bit bigger to start mm. with but also just know It'll that regulate. you've got to trust your mm. body that it knows what's right for you mm. and you will regulate mm. and I think also people think that if they choose recovery they choose to not for the lack of better words wanting to look good right mm. I still think that I look good even though oh, like yeah. I'm bigger and I still train and I still yeah. like to have muscles and yeah. like look good yeah doesn't take away from that no. but it just means that I'm honoring my body still mm-hmm. and I'm actually like a lot healthier doing it that way mm-hmm. than I was before yeah. so yeah and I think it's like you know you look at photos of when you were ill and then photos now like what we we're saying before mm-hmm. it's like you can even see in someone's eyes how mm-hmm. sad they were and now you can see how vibrant yeah. and happy they are and yeah. like it's the most important thing yeah. I think yeah absolutely um we're nearly finished but I just want to go back to people um messaging on Instagram mm-hmm. and obviously they're messaging about your recovery yeah. and your journey do you ever 
like, is there any points where you've got triggered and mm. you've wanted to go back there? Like mm. any, cause I know for me, sometimes points in my life, like yeah. I'll get triggered or something and yeah. I'm like, oh my God, I'd love to just go back to that control and back yeah. to that. But then I'm like, no, no, no. I was so unhappy. Like you don't want to ever live that life. Do you totally. ever get triggered or anything like that from yeah. those messages? One, I don't, I don't get triggered from messages, okay. but I have found myself like I mentioned before, I came out of a relationship last mm-hmm. year and it's taken me a while to like work through mm-hmm. and like unpack all the stuff that sort of happened and and also just being single again. Mm-hmm. And so for me it was more the when I was finally ready to just fully step into myself and own myself and being mm-hmm. single and like being myself that I was suddenly like, oh, now I have to like start dating again and like mm-hmm. – you know, um, I before my relationship, I was like the bulimic girl that was really skinny and like really little. Mm. And now I'm just like myself when mm. I'm bigger. And now I don't have this person that just loved me unconditionally before. Now I maybe have to meet someone else that would love mm. me in this new body mm-hmm. and my newfound self. And I've definitely had, I've had to unpack so much yeah. around that and like really work through that. And that really sort of triggered me in mm-hmm. the beginning where I was like, oh, will people love me in like this mm. size? Like, am I still beautiful? Am I like, yeah, yeah, yeah. there was a lot of sort of physical like validation mm-hmm. points where I was like, oh, this feels weird and stuff. But that's something that I've like worked so hard on, like just nipping in the butt, yeah, like every yeah. single time it shows up. So that was more like my triggers yeah. of this thing of, you know, I'm single and I'm going to start like dating again. Ooh, that feels weird. Yeah. That's more my trigger yeah. of like people loving me. But yeah. then I also know that, I will find the right person that will love me just as much for the person that yeah, I am, yeah, right? Yeah. Instead of just the external kind yeah. of like thing. Yeah. Yeah. Agree. Yeah. Hmm. It'll be like a deep soul love. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. 100%. Well, it's actually been an absolute pleasure and Thank treat you. meeting you and sitting down chatting. Yeah. Yeah. Same. Same. Yeah. We always say we always walk away from podcasts feeling inspired or something that you've said. And I think you've like, said some absolute yeah. bangers I'm yeah. thank you like I said what was that point of that <laughs> I'm like I need to get that and just have it as my mantra in my head. Oh, but um, yeah thank it. you so much for coming on yeah no thank, thank you, you. the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.